Welcome to Central Assembly's podcast. Here is a message from our lead pastor, Kurt Jenkins. We pray this message speaks to you. It's great to have each one of you today. It's great to celebrate with the fine arts, our ministry assistants, everybody who makes this a special place. Good morning. Welcome home. Welcome back. All the good stuff in between. I'll ask the ushers to come forward at this time with the booklets that were at your seat. Last week, we started a series of messages and really just a series of of 22 days called Challenge 22. If you were not here uh, last week, you could just kind of slip your hand up real real slightly as the ushers are coming back uh, past your actual pew. We just want to get you a booklet in case you want to join with us. This Challenge 22 was from last Sunday, April 16th, all the way through May 7th. And it was really a 22-day challenge to allow God's presence and his power to permeate your life. No matter where you are in the Lord, you might be with us today and you do not know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Maybe you're considering his claims and you're just wondering who he is, who he would be in your life. If you've accepted him as Lord and Savior, you may have been following Jesus for decades and sometimes you just get into neutral and you start coasting. So this really is meant, and it's, it's happening from our preschool, our elementary school, all the way up uh, through our adults here. Everybody has a different rendition of it. Our, our kids are getting different uh, handouts. They did last week and they will again this week. And what we're doing, it's taking now today and two more Sundays following. It's taking Monday through Friday, reading through the book of Colossians. And then it's taking our Saturdays just to take a moment during each of these days to give thanks to God. And it's really just etching out. Obviously, we want this to last the rest of our life, right? Reading God's word, thanking God. But we're etching out these 22 days to really just allow God to, uh, to give full exposure to our hearts, to change anything and everything he wants to, and just to be more on fire after these 22 days than we were before. Amen? Amen. So you're more than welcome uh, to join us. You're a part of it because you're here today. And you're more than welcome to join us again tomorrow uh, as we continue to read through Colossians. We are in the book of Colossians as a part of this, and today's message is called Don't Be Fooled by the Chaos. How many of you know there's a lot of chaos out there? There's a lot of messages entering into your eyes and your ears every day. It's something over like 12,000 messages that you receive every day, whether it's through media, uh, you know, television, social media, uh, shows that you're watching, the news. You, You have to admit, no matter what side, no matter what news channel you watch, it's all politically driven. You could say, whoa, ABC and NBC is all politically driven and you watch Fox. No, listen, they're all politically driven. They're all trying to send a message. I've even noticed on some Christian news apps that I have, it's like, wait a minute, they're, they're being driven to like a certain person and like a certain politic as well. That's why we have to stay focused on God's word. You are being fed millions of messages every year throughout your life. And we have to refocus so we don't get fooled by the chaos that's coming. If you want to turn to Colossians chapter 2, we're going to camp out there. I'm going to hit on just two different verses outside of Colossians chapter 2. But if you go there, that would be great. I read out of the New Living Translations quite often. It's not as literal as a translation as some others, but it's easy to read through. and It's easy to understand from a, a hearer's point of view. So when we're going through several passages like we are today, I'll read out of that translation. Uh, I, I grew up on the New International Version. When I'm studying out specific words and what they mean, I read out of the, uh, the New American Standard Bible, the NASB. So just kind of, you know, float through a lot of them. I'm sure all of you have your own favorite translation. I just wanted you to know what you'd be hearing today. It's the same Bible that are in your pews, the New Living Translation. In Colossians chapter two, just to even back up in case you weren't here, the book of Colossians 
was originally a letter from a guy named Paul. Paul was an apostle. If you're not familiar with the Bible, Paul wrote two thirds of the New Testament. This, what we're reading through was a letter to an actual group of people who were in the church of the city of Colossae. It was a smaller city and he was writing to believers there. What was happening during that time is that the believers were allowing the outside chaos of the world to infiltrate the church. And there were people who were saying, well, you know what? I know that you're following Jesus, but you still need to follow all of these Old Testament uh, rules and regulations. You still need to, to you know, dabble in this covenant even though you're in this covenant. And then there were a group of people called the Gnostics. Can you say Gnostics? It's kind of a weird word. The Gnostics believed that they had a superior knowledge of the day and that unless you had that superior knowledge, you truly didn't have peace with God. So can you imagine a group of believers, this is about 30 years after Jesus ascended back up into heaven. So you can imagine it's just three decades, the church is just three decades old and now these people are walking around thinking they know it all, right? Now think about society. Think about all the news things you get. Think about Facebook and everything else. We might not say it, but we think we know it all, right? These people thought that they believed, these Gnostics thought that they had superior knowledge. And as you learn their knowledge and as you learn their ways and their philosophies and their ways of life and their lifestyles, then you would have peace with God. So imagine somebody coming to Christ and like, wait a minute, this is, this is all I have to do is say, say no to my selfish, sinful ways and say yes to Jesus? Like, yes, this is it. Just start following Jesus. Like, this is great. I'm free from my sin. I can live victorious over my addictions. And then these Gnostics come in and say, well, that's not all you need. Let me share with you some secrets to life. Let me share with you seven, you know, tips to do this and this. And they began to just infiltrate and poison the mind of these believers. So Paul is like hitting this thing head on throughout the book of Colossians to make sure they are walking just in the pure light and the simplicity of following Jesus as Lord and Savior. Last week, we went through Colossians chapter one, and really the main takeaway was is that Jesus is supreme over all creation. He's our only solution to the chaos. He's your only solution to anything you'll ever face in this world. We grab and grapple for all kinds of solutions, but he's the only one. And that's the gist of this first chapter. In Colossians chapter two, and just to make a side note here, when I'm saying chapter two, verse this and this and this, Whenever these letters were written, like you don't write verses and chapters in your letters to loved ones, right? Chapter three. So whenever the Bible was written in these forms of letters and scrolls and so on, there weren't chapters and verses. So even Colossians, like I would encourage you, if you've been a believer for a long time, read the whole thing in one sitting and you'll get the main idea, right? We're breaking it up into chunks of like six and seven verses each day to keep you just engaged in God's word. But chapter two is really just a continuation. This entire letter is, is one thought. We're just breaking it out for reference sake. In verse one of chapter two, he says this, I want you to know how much I've agonized for you and for the church at Laodicea and for many other believers who have never met me personally. So he's actually has not, has not met them. Another individual planted this church. He said, I want them to be encouraged and knit together by strong ties of love. I want them to have complete confidence that they understand God's mysterious plan, which is Christ himself. In him lie, or in him lie hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Now for like thousands upon thousands of years, people were trying to understand God's mysterious plan, right? 
What is he doing here? There's all of these rules, all of these regulations, festivals, all these things that need to be obeyed. And people are trying to figure out God. Like, how do I just get right with him? How can I be at peace with him? How can I know I can have my home in heaven? Every so many years, a new theology would rise up, a new philosophy, a new false religion, a new God would pop up, even within God's own people, right? They make the golden, the golden calf. I mean, there's all these things that would pop up and reduce what they were trying to actually just do for Jesus. And they would confuse it. Chaos continued to come in. So Paul's laying it out right here. He's saying, listen, I want you to have confidence. I want you to have clarity in what God's mysterious plan is. Because sometimes when we think of a plan, we think of something that's written down. He's saying, listen, it's not written down on scrolls anymore. It's not written down on tablets anymore. This thing is written on your heart and it only comes through Jesus Christ. He says, I want to make it as clear, clear as possible for you. So no matter what lie, no matter what, what politically driven thing, and trust me, they were political back then, no matter what religious tradition tries to come and affect your walk with Jesus, I want you to know that there's all this mystery. How many of you know, even in America, we can confuse the, the, the Christian walk, right? We can like complicate this thing. All of the mysteries found in the word. No, 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 no. Listen, everything points to Jesus. Everything in the Old Testament and the New Testament point you back to Jesus. Don't confuse this. God's saying, these Gnostics are going to complicate this for you. They're going to say, you should vote for this person or vote for that person. You should like this policy and not that policy. You should do this festival, but not this one. And he's saying all this mysterious stuff, all these hidden plans that God had throughout the ages, it's Jesus. Let's not complicate this. Let's not overcomplicate our lives, folks. The answer is Jesus. The answer is Jesus. That's where all of the knowledge, all of the wisdom can be found. You see in verse three, it says, in him lie hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Now I want you to see this word. I didn't know this until I studied this out. This word hidden that Paul uses is apokrufos. This word that he uses for the word hidden is a direct attack on the Gnostics because that same word that I'm not going to try to say again <laughs> is the word that they would title all of their volumes of superior knowledge. So what he's saying is this, listen, y'all folks think that you have a superior knowledge and you have all your books and all your volumes of basically nonsense and that what that word means is it's a special high superior knowledge that only the elite can know. So watch what he's saying. You have all your volumes and all your libraries and all your philosophies and all your ways of living. Guess what? We have ours too and it's all hidden in Christ. See, but for them, the ordinary person couldn't go to their libraries. The older person couldn't go, the ordinary person couldn't go and learn their ways because they had to learn the systems first. And Paul's saying, listen, all of our secrets, all of our wisdom, all of our superior knowledge is hidden in Christ. And Christ has already said, anyone that comes to me, right? Anyone that believes in their heart or confesses with their mouth, they shall be saved. They shall be hidden in Christ. It's funny, all wisdom and knowledge of God are hidden in Christ and so are you when you come to know him as Lord and Savior. So this is a direct slap in the face to the Gnostics. They're saying, we, we, don't, need, we don't need all your nonsense. We don't need all your philosophies. What, my, what the church needs is to get back to simply following Jesus. 
and not overcomplicate this thing. In verse four, it says, I'm telling you this so no one will deceive you with well-crafted arguments. Other translations say with persuasive speech. Now, if you look at that word deceive there, deception does not happen like out in the open all at one time, right? How many of you have been like just on fire for God and following after him and like, like two weeks go by and you're like cold and you're not like even in the word anymore and you feel angry on the inside and so on. Has that ever happened to any of you before? Yeah, a few of you. It's happened to me before. Where like the Lord will reveal to you, it's like, hey, like the last like 12 days, you've been deceived. Like you've, you've actually come into deception. It doesn't mean you've walked away from God. It just means you've believed some of the chaos. You saw something, right? Look, you're in a bad mood one day. Go ahead and scroll. Go ahead, take, take when you're in a bad mood one day and scroll through your Facebook post and see if you're in a better mood or worse mood after that. All the family's all happy, best smiles as can be, right? These are lies that Satan uses to infiltrate your mind to say you're going to look at all the other chaos and complicate following Jesus. So we do, we have to watch that we continue to follow him so we don't get brought into deception. Tonight at four o'clock or five o'clock, whenever the Sunday news is on, you watch a half hour of that thing, watch if your blood pressure doesn't rise. And watch how easy it can be to complicate following Jesus. So Paul's saying here, I'm telling you this. I'm telling you everything you need is hidden in Christ. Why am I telling you? So no one will deceive you with well-crafted arguments. It's no different today, folks. Do you know they had to make a living back then? Right, so they were out in the marketplace. They had to go shopping back then. They went and did things. They had to trade back then. So they were exposed to everybody that you're exposed to. And it's in those little, those little speeches, those little arguments, those little conversations that people can have with you when you start to doubt your walk with Christ if you don't know that all knowledge and all wisdom and all the answers to life are found in him. It's called having a biblical worldview. When you look at your problems, you look at the chaos, and you look at the challenges of life through the lenses of Jesus, right? I am a busy body. I walk fast. I talk fast. I like to work fast. And Jesus often reminds me. He often tells me, like, do you ever see me rushing in the Bible? I'm like, Phew. I don't ever see Jesus anxious in the Bible. I don't ever see Jesus in a rush to get to his next appointment. In fact, as he was on his way and somebody else came up to him and needed healing, he would stop. He doesn't pull out his iPhone and be like, listen, I'm gonna be late. I'll catch you later. And unfortunately, many of us that follow Jesus are following our schedules instead of Jesus. So our schedules, this phone that you have in your hand that controls our life and our schedule sometimes will actually lead us into deception. Believing that getting to the dentist or getting to even a very important meeting with your boss is more important than if somebody comes right across your path and needs ministry right there. Do you know if we pass that person by, we're deceived? Right? I've never seen Jesus in a rush before, and I'm like in a rush a lot. <laughs> Pray for me. <laughs> in verse five, in verse five in Colossians two, it says, he goes, my pastor's always in a rush. I don't know. It says, for though I am far away from you, my heart is with you. I rejoice that you are living as you should and your faith in Christ is strong. So there's a lot of positive points. We're not saying like the Colossians church was just completely lost and so on. I mean, they're growing in their faith and Paul's just trying to hammer this thing home. 
Now, I love a comparison that we can see in James chapter one. That's gonna be on, your, uh, on the screen so you can, you can just stay in Colossians 2 in your, in your Bible. In James chapter one, I love the, the picture that James shows here. It says, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking, right? You don't know what to do in a situation. Like stop looking in books and magazines and in your, in, in your Facebook post. Stop looking at the latest Twitter quote and ask God for wisdom. He's not gonna rebuke you. I'm not against social media, by the way. Like I'm on it and stuff. I'm just saying, we can't let this stuff infiltrate our minds. Use it for ministry, use it for communication, and that's about it. So he's saying, if you need wisdom, just ask God. And then Paul made it clear, where is all of God's wisdom hidden? Thank you, Donna, it's in Christ. So you ask God for wisdom, and he says, great, you're in Christ, so now you have access to that wisdom, and the Holy Spirit draws it out of you. He says, he will not rebuke you. But when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. We'll come back to that. Do not waver, for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world. And they are unstable in everything they do. Like this is a, a nice kind of rebuke, right? Picture yourself. Have you ever been like in a pole on, uh, on a raft and like people are like making waves or like making like a little wave pole or a whirlpool? Like that's fun. But have you ever been like in the ocean on a raft? That's a little bit different. All right, because you know like I'm holding on and I have no stability and I have no foundation. It could be fun in a pole. It's not fun in the ocean, especially as you're going out this way or down too far. That's what our life without faith in God alone is like. That's what, he, that's what James is saying. You are unstable. You are wavering back and forth. Now, what he's saying is it's because you have divided loyalty. So when we don't have faith in God alone, then we're asking God, God, can I have wisdom from you? And I'm gonna take three chapters of the last book I read and grab wisdom from that. And I'm gonna grab wisdom from this reality television show that I watch. And I'm gonna grab wisdom from the latest post from my favorite author. What he's saying is, is this, don't expect to get an answer from God if you are split between him and the world. And James isn't mad. He's just saying we need to get back to having faith in him alone. He's the source of all wisdom. He's the one that's going to declutter all of the chaos in our life. I started thinking about this. I don't think James is saying you have to like muster up more faith. I think he's saying what faith you have has to be in him alone. We have to remove all of the other options. A few weeks ago, my boys had their first soccer practice. We went out for ice cream after. And we're like, and it was chilly in the evening too. I wish I had my sweatshirt. <clears throat> anyway, and we're staring at this list, this menu, right? And they like this one, they like this one, they like this one. So there's like eight favorites now. Can they order all eight? Maybe with you they can. No, they cannot with me. <laughs> so you have to pick one, right? Well, I like all these things. Okay, but you have to pick one. Well, no, it didn't happen with any of my boys. None of them said, well, this is my absolute favorite, so I'm gonna do it what they started doing is reducing and eliminating options, right? Well, I have this at home sometimes, and this one, that might be mushy, and this one, this one, until one remained. Now, unfortunately, God isn't always the clear answer in our life. I don't know why, but we just look at other options sometimes. 
So I don't believe you're having to fight or struggle for more faith. What I think you need to do is just remove all of the other options that look good until only God remains. I need an answer from God. I have an issue in my life. I'm shutting off social media. I'm not watching my favorite TV shows. I'm fasting and I'm reading and I'm praying until I get my answer. That's actually showing you're serious about asking God for wisdom in a situation. Right? Or we could like pray for something for three years and just say, well, I can't hear God right. That's because there's too much chaos going on. We just need to remove all the other options off the menu and say, well, God's serving one menu, one item from the menu and his name is Jesus. <clears throat> Comes in an extra large size and it's good. <clears throat> I want to skip over, <clears throat> excuse me. I want to skip over verses six and seven for now because I want to end there. But Paul continues on back in Colossians 2. Paul continues on with this just aggressive fight against chaos. He says, don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense. I love, see, I like how the New Living Translation is written because we can connect with this. These philosophies, they're empty. They're useless. They high, they're high-sounding, but they're actually nonsense. It says it comes from human thinking and from spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. In verse nine, it says, for in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. And you are also complete through your union with Christ, who is head over every ruler and authority. I remember reading this maybe eight, 10 years ago, and this thing like really blasted me. In Christ is all of the fullness of God. And when you give your life to Jesus, guess who comes and lives in you? Christ through the Holy Spirit. So if all of God is in Christ, and Christ is willing to put all of himself in you, what do we have access to that we don't grab a hold of in life? Think about realms of faith and wisdom and his glory and his presence, direction, guidance, boldness, courage, miracles, peace, joy. Think of all these things that we have access to already within us through the reality of the Holy Spirit. And that's amazing. All of God was in Christ and Christ comes to dwell within us through the presence of his Holy Spirit. And Paul's saying, you are complete. You are complete. You don't have to visit the Gnostic library of Colossae. You are complete through your union with Christ. I just wanna jump through some of these verses. In the second half of verse 11, it says Christ performed a spiritual circumcision because the people of that day still wanted them to get the natural circumcision. In verse 12, it says, you were buried with Christ when you were baptized. We talked about baptism a few weeks ago. And with him, you were raised to life. In verse 14, it says, he canceled, this is Christ. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it and, and away by nailing it to the cross. So he's saying, anything somebody could have against you, Anything somebody's coming against you and saying, you should be condemned because of this. You should do it this way. You should hold on to this tradition. He's saying, Jesus took that record that Satan and everybody else could have against you. And he actually nailed that thing to the cross. It's done. It's dealt with. It's over. When we settle that in our hearts, how many of you know there'll be a little bit less chaos in our life? Well, I hear them saying this. I, he's saying I should live this way. He's condemning me. He's making me feel guilty. It's all been nailed to the cross. In verse 15, he says, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. It says he actually shamed them publicly. 
In verse 16, don't let anyone condemn you for what you eat and drink or for not celebrating certain holy days or new moon celebrations or Sabbaths. For these roles are only shadows of the reality yet to come. And Christ himself is that reality. So Paul is laying this out. We'll, we'll, we will have to go through this some here at Central is look at the items of the tabernacle, the holy days, the festivals, the, why they, the, the reason why they ate foods the way they did, the reason why they sacrificed the way they did. All of those things were shadows pointing to Jesus. And people in the day were saying, I know you received Jesus already, but you should still go back and do these things. You should eat this certain food and drink this certain drink and do these certain traditions. And Paul's saying, that's all been fulfilled in Christ. It all has value. It all has meaning. We just don't have to do it physically anymore. We have the spiritual reality of Christ in us. You guys all right? Now look at verse 16. Don't let anyone condemn you for what you eat or drink. I don't want you to use that the reverse way and say, well, yeah, I still go out and I still get plastered every once in a while. You're not allowed to, Paul says, you're not allowed to condemn me anymore. I go to the buffet five nights a week. Don't condemn me. Paul says, don't condemn me, right? <laughs> if we look at the whole counsel of God, it's very clear about drunkenness. It's very clear about gluttony. Are you with me? So we can't take these things and twist them and say, I'm allowed to do whatever I want. Yet you are free. You are free to live above sin that used to entangle you. John said it before, we're not to be mastered by anything. In fact, if you sip on some wine or sip on some gin or pop open a bag of chips or a couple candy bars to chill out when you're really stressed, then you're actually putting your faith in that except for God. You're saying, I actually believe this has the power to reduce my stress more than God does. And y'all that know me know I love chocolate, right? I can't pop open the Oreo bag instead of God's word to calm down. So they're saying, you want life to work right? Do all these things. And Paul's like, no, Christ alone. It's in him alone. But at the same way, don't let anyone condemn you because you're not following their traditions and their values. You let your walk with Jesus be unique to how you are with him, how you were created. In verse 18, don't let anyone condemn you by insisting on pious self-denial or the worship of angels. And it goes down in verse 20, you've died with Christ. You were set free from the spiritual powers. Verse 22, such roles are mere human teachings about the things that deteriorate. All this other stuff's gonna go away. He says these roles seem wise because they require strong devotion. Hey, don't you feel holy sometimes? Like I'm doing this and I'm doing that and God, I prayed a lot this week and I read a lot. Listen, as soon as you think you've attained, there's gonna be a lot more added to your plate when you think you can do it. It's not in our power at all. We're not doing this because like to get check marks by God. The devil will just whisper, well, yeah, but you only read three chapters and not four, right? And we'll start getting deceived again. We wake up empty every day. God, I just need you to fill me. I can't do what you want me to do without you filling me with your wisdom, your knowledge, and your power. And then our sole source remains, reading his word, getting guidance from the Holy Spirit through the voice of God. And it says here, the last sentence of 23, says, they provide no help in conquering a person's evil desires. 
So if you look back on verses eight through 23, if you actually broke these out and looked at the historical context of where these were, what was happening is they were adding additional philosophy and viewpoints of life. So think about this. In today's culture, the messages that are being conveyed to us that add to our philosophy, all the self-help steps, tricks, and tools. Some of the most prevalent ones in culture today is this. If you don't like the outcome of something, just protest and scream louder until you get your way. Do you know we are empowering a generation of adults to throw temper tantrums? Right? And the news goes and videotapes this stuff. If we did that on Facebook live with our kids, we would like go to jail. Watch, 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 they're out of control. They have no self-control. But that's what culture's teaching you. If you don't like a, a decision that made, just scream louder, cause more problems until you get your way. It's an adult temper tantrum. Something else that culture's teaching us is if you were born, born a boy, but you feel like being a girl, that's okay. We will accept however you feel that day and make accommodations for you. The root of that is selfishness. I want to be treated how I want to be treated. Now, it's quite clear if you're a boy or a girl. Culture is not going to change that. A law is not going to change that. God ordained that from the beginning of time. Now, I could, I could tell some of your blood pressure is rising right now. You don't, you don't go out and bash people who are living that lifestyle. You know what you do is you love them. Does that make sense? You love somebody who's lost and who's confused. It's an identity issue. That's all it is. They're deceived in a root of selfishness. Show them that their created value in God. If they come to Christ, show them who they are in Christ, their identity in Christ, and then their gender will absolutely work itself out. So we don't have to get mad at this stuff. I'm not mad. I'm just showing you where culture is, and now we, we have the opportunity to minister to it. We shine light into darkness. We don't get mad at it and protest more. Or we go back to number one and protest louder and louder until we get our way. Another lie, marriage is all about meeting your own needs. Sex with multiple partners is normal. Pornography is another way to be satisfied. This is all permeating the church. It's a sign of just lack of commitment. We're gonna do what we're gonna do until the going gets rough and then we're gonna do our own thing because I didn't get what I needed. As long as I'm satisfied, it's okay. It's a lie from the enemy. Another one, do whatever you need to do to get ahead in life. Cheat, lie, steal, beg, whatever it takes to get that higher position. It's a hunger for power in society. And if you watch any entertainment, you'll see this occurring and it's speaking into our ears. The last one I wanna share is about money. John mentioned it before, right? Make as much money as possible so you can have bigger toys than your neighbor. Money is everything. This is what you're hearing, whether you realize it or not. All the advertisements, the shows, through social media, money is everything. These lies are being told to you across the board. I love how one individual, Aaron McElhaney, are you here today? You're usually over this way. He's not here. I do have permission to read this, but I wanna read <clears throat> what Aaron McElhaney did. What, what he did is he went against the grain of society. Instead of cheating, stealing, working this system, what he did is when it was tight, he gave and he saw God come through. This is what he wrote to me. He's a hearing aid salesman. It says, in December, I felt led to participate in the offering for the tilapia project. I had already decided I wanted to give. And as an added bonus, Pastor Kurt felt led to pray for additional blessings to be poured out on the congregation. 
I thought it was really interesting that he prayed specifically, including folks like myself who depend on commissions as part of their salary. He prayed that deals would close and that we would be blessed well beyond what we normally expect. Now, financially, things were tight for us at that point. And we had already made our typical tithe previously. So my wife was surprised, albeit pleasantly, that I decided to give the cash that I had in my wallet towards this project. In fact, things had been tight for most of 2016. Incidentally, December's message about tithing and how it was another act of obedience and worship really struck home. Now, at that point in December, I hadn't closed a single sale. So if you rely mostly on commission and you don't have a single sale, that's not good. It says, however, that week, I sold as many units in one week as I had previously sold in several months. Come on. (laughs) It says, he says, normally sales in December slow down somewhat and January is typically one of our slowest months, but nothing is impossible with God. Because of God's blessing, December 2016 and January 2017 were both record-breaking months for me, both in sales, but especially in terms of my commission checks. He says, I don't wanna hide my light under a basket. In fact, my my bosses kept asking me, what are you doing differently? Right, because they want to know. We can write a blog on it. Six ways to have record-breaking months in the two slowest months of the year. We, we want to see what can we do to get ahead. It's called Jesus. Amen. He says, what do you think is making such a big difference? I told them several times what the real reason was <laughs> for my success, but they didn't want to hear it. <laughs> he says, only two co-workers believed him. Guess who? They were Christians. I wish that my bosses could see the truth and I know it's my blessing and opportunity to share the truth and I'm happy to let God's glory shine through me. It's a working against culture. It's working against what everyone else would tell you to do and listening solely to the voice of the Lord. And you walk this out against all of the roles and the traditions of this world and you will see clearly you will see confident, you'll be bold in your walk with Jesus. Throughout these other verses, it talks about astrology, actually, if you look at some original languages. Today, we have people looking in horoscopes. What, I follow Jesus, but I'm just gonna peek at my horoscope. Right? I'm not being mean to you if you're doing it, I'm just, I'm, I'm recommending strongly that you stop doing it. Because then now you have your, your hope in it. it might be a better day because the moon and the stars turned out right. Because my birthday fell in a certain month. James said that you are now unstable as a wave being blown back and forth if, you're, if your uh, wisdom isn't being relied, if your faith isn't solely relied on God. Good luck charms, superstitions. Think about if you're getting ready in the morning and do something differently, if it comes into your head like, oh, I put my right sock on before my left, I'm gonna have a bad day now. That's called superstition. That's not actually relying on God. You might not do that with your socks, but think about how you get ready for the day. Think about how you get ready at night. Think about if any of it, if you break any of it, are you nervous that you're not going to have a good day? You're not putting your sole reliance of faith on God. We talked about circumcision. They wanted them to be circumcised physically. God's, or Paul was saying, you've already been circumcised in your heart. We've talked about the rules and the regulations. In here is also the worship of angels later on in that chapter. All right, now the worship of angels is really, it's about focus. It's taking their focus off Christ and putting it onto another being. And that word that came forth today about your idols, you might not think that you have false idols in your life. 
It's all about focus. Ask yourself, comparatively speaking, time in the word, time with the Lord, time trusting in him, or again, time in social media, time playing Diamond Dash or whatever it's called. Like, think about where your actual focus, where is the focus of your soul at the majority of the day? If your focus is on anything else but God, then that has, there's a risk of it becoming an idol in your life. And then we just go back to the simplicity, clearing out the chaos and following Jesus. I thought about, have you ever taken a walk in the woods before? And you don't notice it's happening, but after about you know, 20 or 30 minutes in and you, and you leave and you look down and there's like 60 of those burrs all over your legs, they don't hurt when they're going on. You don't, you don't even notice them. Right, and you're just taking a walk through there and you're looking around and the scenery's nice and you're just enjoying yourself. And these things are all over you. I look at that as like what's infiltrating us in life is the messages of society are just getting stuck onto us and we don't even know it at times. But if you're aware and you're focused and you know you're living with intentionality to walk out the destiny that God has for you, you won't let those birds be attached to you. As soon as one gets on, you'll pluck that thing off and throw it aside. I want to finish with these last two verses of Colossians chapter two. I want to go back up to verse six and seven. In verse six, it says, and now just as you've accepted Christ Jesus as Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him. Let your lives be built upon him. Let your, then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. First thing I wanna do is talk for just a minute or two on verse six. It says, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. You know, one of the reasons why we hit water baptism so hard just a few weeks ago, and we talked about how you can raise your hand in a service and say, yes, I want Jesus, and then sneak out and actually never follow Jesus. You could say, I repeated that prayer during service, but not actually make Jesus a way of life. So what we're saying is this, we wanna look to water baptism where somebody has counted the cost of following Jesus, enough to say, yes, I'm gonna change my clothes, I'm gonna go under this water and say, I'm dying to my sinful nature, I'm dying to my selfish ways, and I'm being raised back to life in Christ. What Paul's saying, just as you made that one decision, that moment in time decision, you must continue to follow him. That's what Christianity is all about, right? It's a daily following Jesus. The Bible says that those who endure till the end will be saved. It doesn't mean we're scratching and fighting just to stay saved. Enduring means we just continue to follow. Every day we wake up and we're following Jesus. Oh, I messed up big time. I'm still following Jesus. I failed over here. I'm still following Jesus. You get picked up by the Holy Spirit and you continue to follow Jesus. In verse seven, I love the breakdown of this. It says this. It says, let your roots grow down into him. I, I feel like this is a way that we can rise above the chaos very clearly in this one verse. Let your roots grow down into him. Let your lives be built upon him. Your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. You can put this, the illustration up, Leslie, that Adam made for us. This first phrase is about the roots growing down into him. We need a root system. We, there's, no, there's no time left in culture for shallow Christianity. We need to grow deeper in Christ. We need to allow the water, the living water that Christ is to allow our roots to grow strong and deep. Now, it might look differently for some of you than others. It might be regular fasting, obviously prayer. 
the word. It's getting into him and it's allowing him to get into you. Without deep roots, anything will blow us over. Just follow different trees like the evergreen tree, right? It's blown over the most in storms because it has a shallow root system. I don't want to be blown over by the deception of this world. So I want our roots to grow deeper in him. The next one says, let your lives be built upon him. Listen, Christ is our foundation. And when he's our foundation, nothing's going to knock us over. So as, as deep and as strong as those roots can get, our trunk is going to grow deep, uh, uh, wider and wider and stronger and stronger. So we want our foundation to be Christ so we can be strong in what we're doing. Letting our lives be, pil- be built upon him. Let that sun come. Let that water come. Let the washing of the water of the word permeate our hearts. That next phrase says that faith will grow, grow strong in truth. I believe faith are the branches of that tree because branches reach out further than that tree has ever gone before. That's what faith does in our life, right? Faith looks beyond what is currently present reality in our lives. It's saying, I have faith that this will happen one day. I have faith that I'll see this breakthrough in my life. I have faith that my spouse and I will be right. I have faith that my child will come back. Whatever it is, faith is reaching into new territories. So the deeper our roots grow and the wider our trunk grows, the longer and more secure those branches can grow. The last one says that we will be overflowing with thankfulness. Thankfulness is the fruit of our life. How many of you know that? Thankfulness is the fruit that's in our life. Now, no one ever, I've never seen anybody look at a tree, a fruit tree and say, look at the trunk on that tree. That is beautiful. Wow, those branches. Let's dig a hole in the ground and look at the roots. Wow. What do they give thankfulness for? The fruit. They look at the fruit and they enjoy the fruit and they give thanks because of the fruit. I've also never seen a fruit tree eat its own fruit. What's the fruit for? The fruit isn't to benefit the tree. The fruit is to benefit everybody else. So our roots grow deep and our trunk goes wide and our branches go out and it produces fruit that benefits other people. And then we give thanksgiving. Thank you, Lord, that that other person who's hurting was able to pluck fruit off of the tree that you've grown in my life. Thank you, Lord, that that person was touched by ministry that you allowed to flow through me. Thank you, Lord, that you answered my prayer. Now somebody else's life is changed because of that. And you see fruit producing in your life because of our roots going deep. I believe that that right there clears out the chaos. I want you all, uh, at at the end of the service, the ushers are gonna be in the back. Adam, you can start to just play. And they're gonna have seed pods. They're flower seed pods. And uh, they're just in these round colorful balls. And you're, if you have children, they're going to get a pack of them and each adult is going to get a pack on the way out. And I want you to prayerfully plant this thing. It gives directions on how you should use it. But I want it to be a declaration to the Lord and to your own life that you are committed in this season of life to allowing your roots to grow deeper. I know these seeds aren't going to produce a tree. They'll produce flowers. They're still going to be a reminder every single time you see them. My roots are going deeper. My trunk is getting wider. My branches are going further. And there will be fruit that will benefit other people's lives. If you have family and and your children will get one, I encourage you, take it home. The next few days, plant that thing. Maybe have communion as you're planting it and and make it, make it a sign, make it a memorial for this season that God's gonna do something in a great way. I want you to stand at this time. 
I'm gonna ask uh, that our altar team makes their way forward. And I'm actually gonna ask that the Lord uh, is really just impressed this upon my heart. If you're in middle school, all the way through the age of 25, I want you to come up here and I want you just to uh, come up and, and spread yourself out at this altar here. I wanna take a moment with our altar team. Middle school, all the way through 25, just give, a, give the altar team space to, to get in front of you. I believe that this age group that's coming forward here is the most susceptible to the deception of our world, right? They're going through anything from puberty all the way up through, uh, through career decisions, through who they're gonna marry, through where they're gonna spend, you know, the next 10 years of their life in a house or whatever. Look at this, look at this. Come on. I do, I do need our altar team and pastors and spouses elders, deacons, you can come on up. Spouses, come on up. We want to pray for them. So what we're going to do is from your, from your seat, I want you to recommit yourself. And you don't even need to sing the words that are going to be up here. We're going to spend just a, a moment right now recommitting yourself to him alone. You do it in a militant way. Father, I will not be distracted by the chaos anymore. I'm not going to be subdued by the noise. I'm not going to be confused by the next news feed I read. I am set on you. So even if you close your eyes and you don't read a word that's up there, they're just gonna basically be playing. And our elder team and so on here, uh, Jim, you wanna just spread these guys down here so everybody can be straight across. And then our altar team and so on, we're just gonna go through and just pray. You don't have to say long prayers. What we're doing is we're breaking off deception, right? And we're asking just for the presence and the peace of the Holy Spirit to be in their lives so there's clarity, right? So there's not one youth that sits up here that's confused one day of their life. Well, should I follow Jesus or should I not? Should I believe this message or this? Should I be a Republican or Democrat? Or should I believe in this or that? No, absolutely not. That confusion and deception is gone and there's clarity of the purposes that God has for your life. And if maybe one of you out there, maybe you don't know Jesus, you wanna turn your life to him, don't leave today without talking to one of our altar workers. You can come up even after service, Thank you for joining us. Be sure to check us out on the web at centralconnect.org.